Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Left Inside, a weekly podcast offering a critical look at news, politics, and culture from a left perspective. My name is Jessany Kelly, and I will be hosting today's episode. I am also joined here by Dave Murphy. Hello. Nicole McCarthy. Hi. And Paul Murphy. Hello. So we have our new government as of yesterday. We're recording this today on Sunday, the 28th of June. Um, our new centre-left government, as Brian Dobson uh, tried to label it on the news last night, um, with the programme for government being passed by the quota needed from the Greens, which is two-thirds of their membership. They got 74% of the vote. And as of yesterday, we have Michal Martin as our new Taoiseach. So what are people's initial thoughts? Are we... Sad, angry, disappointed, not surprised. I'm disappointed at such a high percentage from the Green Party, man. I had actual hope for the left side of the Green Party, but obviously that was um, wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. And what about the government itself? Obviously it's not good news, I think, (laughs) for anyone, but um, what are people's thoughts of how bad it's going to be? I think the the idea that it's centre-left is obviously a joke. Like, it's based on... It's based on kind of words in the program for government, um, taking some boxes. But, you know, if, if you get the two establishment parties, parties which have ruled the country for the rich over the past hundred years, you put them together into a coalition, you add in some Greens who have signed up to what is a neoliberal right wing program for government, and then they're backed up by some of the worst independents in the DAW, some of the most right wing independence, anti-migrant, etc. Uh, Michael Lowry in, in the doll. Like clearly what you get is not some, oh, it's a centre-left government. It's clearly a right-wing government. And it's bizarre that there's like large sections of the media trying to spin it in some way as being a centre-left progressive uh, government because of a few greens, I think, and a few words in the in the programme. Yeah, I just thought it was mad the other day on the interview that you did. Was it Jack Chambers who was trying to be like, yeah, but Paul, the program for government doesn't say austerity in it. Where in it does it mention austerity? Like, <laughs> <I know. as laughs> <if. Lupo. laughs> I was just when he said that, people should go watch. I was just like, sorry, what? I just couldn't believe he was saying that. Like, I didn't know where. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it from you. You were going mad, and you were like. Where did I say it in the last one? <laughs> you should have just walked away, Paul. You should have just flipped the table. Like, yeah. The... <laughs> um, yeah, like some of the, obviously the policies or whatever. Um, I didn't read the PFG because it was nearly unreadable. Like, but I thought it's the longest one yet. It's ridiculous. And the language of it. That's what they want, though. They want you to not be able to access it easily. Exactly. Yeah. Like from the cl- bits I saw from it or whatever, you know, the language just like really flowery and, you know, we'll do every effort possible to make sure that we try to do this and whatever this kind of, um, you know, empty promises. But like, I guess some of the policies on housing, health, some of the big policies that were big in the election, they just like aren't even close to being where they need to be, you know? Yeah, no, they're, they're really like aspirational like we i think on one of the other shows we made the point that like there's no costs in it like you know mm-hmm. so like to actually like be, do a brian dobson and call it a center left based on like um like buzzwords sort of like for some people in the media are characteristics like oh it's in favor of public investment oh it's in favor of you know xyz building social housing um like every government in theory has been in favor of building social housing it didn't make like finnegale and the Fianna Fáil previous government, um, like a social democratic government that didn't make Fine Gael and Labour a social democratic government. I think it's just like an attempt to spin this into being like something positive and make it seem like it's progressive. Whereas on the other hand, it's actually like the two big parties being forced together for the first time in like a hundred years. And I think the question is, does it like, we're saying that's not social democratic, but does it mean that like we now have a doll that's clearly divided on left right lines for the first time in a hundred years, like some of the media are saying. Um, or is it as Pat Leahy somehow managed to come up with like that it's not a left right divide, it's between moderates and radicals, like, you know, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because he also tried to say that the programme for government is social democratic and Finnegan Fina Fall are really social democratic in order to avoid left right clarity and obviously there isn't as much left right clarity as some people suggest i do you know what i mean many of those who are in the opposition don't have 
a clear left opposition if it is the case that nearly all of the opposition parties, excluding Solidarity People for Profit and the best left independents, all of them in other circumstances would have also gone into coalition with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. So it's less clear cut than we would like. But at the same time, it's clear that the government is right wing and it's clear that the opposition to the government will mostly be coming from a direction to the left of where the government is is coming from. And it's the media commentary for the next five years if this government lasts that long would be horrific, you know, because like they have absolutely no interest in finding out the differences between different groups that are broadly on the left. Like, you know, it'll just be like everybody is thrown in there, you know. There's a job there for someone in the media. Like some media outlet decides we're going to find out what the difference between, you know, social democracy and, and, and you know, revolutionary socialism is and like has nuances in it. They'll be they'll be writing stuff for for years they'll have a, a five-year job anyway so one thing I, I thought was interesting yesterday that like we've talked a fair bit about the fact that economically this is going to be a right-wing government it's going to cut um you know investment on public services it's going to go for a two-tier health service even deeper it's not going to do enough on housing it'll have eco-austerity taxes but we haven't talked so much about the kind of social program of the government and from the look of the government that was elected yesterday you get you know, a sense that it can also be a right wing government on social issues. So the the woman who became Minister for Education, who's a new TD, Norma Foley from Fianna Fáil, she was anti-choice. She's now Minister for Education, you know, in the context when there should be a big battle over sex education. Are we going to achieve objective sex education or not? Or if you take the issue of direct provision, which the program for government has an aspirational promise to abolish direct provision in the term of the government, but there's no way that um, Verona Murphy, who during the by-election was talking about an ISIS-style attack in Ireland, or um, uh, Michael Lowry, or who, who was the other really right-wing TD who supported the the government? Grealish, was it? Grealish, exactly, who had made these horrific anti There's no way they're supporting any real abolition of uh, direct provision so you can see having a right-wing social agenda as well yeah i'm really shocked that they actually promised to do something within their term of government i thought it was all going to be in the same style of the carbon taxes where they're like oh in 26 to or 2026 to 2030 that's when all the hard work will be done so like when they say abolish direct provision there's no kind of definition put around that either as to what kind of system could be put in place instead so you know, like by the end of their term, if they have those centres shut down and they have it all set up under a different name, but same horrific system, they can still say, oh, well, we did abolish direct provision, you know, so there's no details provided. Or or, or they just even don't even bother closing down the centres. Like like programmes for government, like a huge amount of programmes for government never get implemented. Um, they just they just don't do it. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's there. We have a, we have a commitment to do it until during the term of office and they kind of just repeat ans- they just repeat that answer like all the way through and then there's an election and they didn't do it you know I feel like that's common knowledge though like even people who are not political that's like a common joke the world over like the promises made in election people are like ha, 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 yeah right like they're gonna do that why do we accept that it's so mad it's just worldwide accepted that that's gonna be the case well I think they like make it into the thing that like you were saying they make the program for government so hard to read they make it seem like this complicated difficult thing that you have to have been a td for years to kind of even try to understand you know so people just like tune out because they're like well i don't really have any control of this anyway i voted for change you know like that's i think that's the big thing of this whole election is that like you know the vote left transfer left people were all saying enough is enough this is it and like the huge loss in votes between the fall fianna gale got yes here they are back in again um this time together you know like it's I think it's like, yeah, people just tune out when they feel like even when they do vote, even when they do try to engage, they still don't feel like they get anywhere, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I'd like to hope that there will be the opposite effect in this kind of because I mean, people voted for change. People almost saw change before the COVID crisis, thinking that there could be some kind of left you know, formation in the government. So hopefully that will have people more tuned in to actually follow, you know, that they actually get more angry and are more likely to go out and protest and and push back against a government who's clearly not following their program for government even though that seems to be something that we widely accept 
I mean, I, I think this is really last-ditch stuff by the political establishment. They have been trying to avoid Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael in coalition together. Like the last government, that whole arrangement around supply and confidence was about maintaining the illusion of some difference between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael for the stability of Irish capitalism so that they can change from their two different sides. They can just flip them back and forth as they've done since the foundation of the of the state. And the fact that they're forced into an open coalition together now is a sign of just how weak they are. I mean, I, I went back and checked their election results. Just you don't have to go back that far. Back in 2007, so before the last crisis, their combined vote of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael was almost 70%. And um, now their combined vote is like just over 43%. And we're going into a new economic crisis where I think it's very likely you'll see, you know, very important struggles against a carbon tax um, for building public housing, for investment in, in healthcare. And I think that will drive, you know, a further political process away from the establishment parties. I think, I mean, Fianna Fáil are likely the big losers here, unless Michael Martin is seen to perform exceptionally. Um, but just like nothing differentiate them anymore from Fine Gael and like Varadkar has a boost from coronavirus and stuff. So like they just, they really, they, they, their combined vote presumably will shrink even further and Fianna Fáil might be the biggest loser in that. So people are going to be so confused when it comes to voting next time because obviously there's the classic combination of, you know, whoever was in government last, we vote for the opposite of within Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. So it's going to be an absolute shit show for the next election. People won't know where to be voting. <laughs> but it's likely that like this government will have to implement unpopular things. So it just speeds up that process Paul was talking about of like Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael dipping and like either one of the two maintaining a certain level and the other one going down. But then it means then that like instead of having like 75% of the vote going one way, that all all that votes back in play and the effects of crisis will change like the um like the direction of that vote so i think it's looking away from like the two and a half party or the three party system that it is now to having like a like maybe Sinn Féin become the dominant party and you have like one of the main Fine Gael Fianna Fáil becoming the main opposition and you have like a one and a half plus extras type party system going forward. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of like the big things that we're looking at at the moment on the um, revolutionary left is what struggles are going to be coming to the fore now in the next five years or whatever, however long it does last. Um, one thing that, you know, this program for government really had no regard for was kind of workers' rights, no union recognitions, uh, no kind of talk about even like the strikes that are happening at the moment with like Debenhams. I think, I don't know, something nice. I saw pictures of, you know, the Debenhams workers outside the uh, conference centre yesterday and Michal Martin's being elected and just like, it kind of sums it all up really, you know. Um, but housing as well, like we were saying, healthcare is going to be a big one, climate change um, and kind of big movements there. Yeah. What do people think about like how we need to like strengthen the unions more? Because the government aren't going to be doing it at all. They're going to be trying to do the opposite, probably. Yeah. Um, and even the ruling in the last week about the, the sectoral employment orders, which mm -hmm. was struck down by the, the High Court, which opens up electricians to big attacks on terms and conditions, but also then other workers who are covered by other, like so what, what are called SEOs, um, can also come under attack. And... You know, despite all of the rhetoric about, um, oh, these are heroes, heroes wear capes, blah, 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 they, they still will attempt to, you know, not pay health workers properly, obviously, not pay teachers properly, who are really going to be in the front line when schools open up in, in September, um, not have increases in public sector pay. And in private sector, that'll really be a significant drive downwards. And um, the issue is for the unions is to like, to stop begging to get back around the table for social partnership with a very right-wing government and instead, you know, orient to building workers' power, building trade union power. you got to organise people into unions. you got to prepare to fight. And if you fight, well, then you have a serious chance of, of winning. Um, but you're going to have to fight. You really are. Otherwise, um, workers' terms and conditions are going to be eroded again and again. Yeah, I think, like, there's a... For the unions, like, I think we spoke about this a number of weeks ago. So, like like the union density in Ireland and the, the union, like the union density. So like the number of union members per how many workers there are um, over the course up until recently, 
Um, the COVID crisis obviously changed all this because so many jobs lost, but like union density had been dropping, like, you know, so in terms of um, your percentage of workers in a union versus the whole uh, workforce, and that's something like if the unions are going to be stronger, that needs to be reversed, particularly in, I think like where we're going to see like the slot, like wholesale, like slaughter of jobs in retail. Um, if you look at retail, like there's like, good work being done by mandate you can see what they've done in like places like tesco in places like um the debenhams you know the debenhams strike where they are unionized but like whole swathes of the retail section uh aren't unionized so like that's going to be like that's an example of like well if unions aren't organized this is what will uh happen and i think in the public sector unions like they just like don't go for social partnership again like you know um like I think that's what they're aiming. Is that a a force thing on Friday? Um, and like that seems to be what they're aiming for. It's like, um, well, we can't really say anything about the next pay deal. We're waiting for the government to be formed. But like they're using COVID in Ireland and COVID in Britain as examples. Where so like say they're using the pandemic unemployment payment and the furlough scheme, and the furlough scheme in Britain as examples of like the unions, the government and business leaders come together. And Social like, partnership. Yeah, we looked after everyone. Now we need a better version of this, like, you know, and it's like they haven't got like pay back to 2008 levels. There's still extra working hours. So like the idea that they're going to go in and negotiate now to get people back to their level, they were like 12 years ago, plus improve that in a time of like economic crisis. It's just, it's not going to happen. There's also a whole new thing that unions need to be looking at in terms of there's a whole new swathe of people who are working from home and conditions have to change. You know what I mean? Do you have to set people up with a proper desk from home? Like for back support and stuff like that. People are expected to work extra hours, you know what I mean, for your, through your commute. She's right. We're looking for a new a new chair for back support. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm honestly, I'm suffering like my shoulders because I'm hunched over my laptop. I'm going to rise the papers. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, you know, unions need to change shape. The workforce is going to be different now. And you also have the service industry is getting absolutely screwed as well. Like because kitchens and stuff are a small cramped space. So to be able to practice social distancing in those environments is not really practical in a lot of cases. And you've small restaurant owners, they're going to be, you know, I find this kind of family business atmosphere can usually get a bit more out of their workers because they're kind of ah we're all friends and family here you know what I mean so workers are going to be having to make those kind of decisions for their own health and safety like and so it's important to have union backup for those kind of things I think like I find it really um nauseating seeing like uh Michal Martin and Leo Radiker being like all right now we got to roll up our sleeves and we're gonna get to work we have a lot of work to do and stuff like that and really they're just gonna like bring in all these kind of taxes and you know just make life horrible for um the majority of people while keeping the rich richer or whatever but like we on the left we have to do a lot of work in this next coming years you know we're gonna have to be out there um fighting with all of these different struggles we're naming at the moment you know and putting in a lot of uh, work to kind of pose this government. Well, one of the areas that I think definitely would be important is, is healthcare. So now Stephen Donnelly is the um, minister for health. Now um, he's a guy people might have seen the video going around on social media. Who I think it's a year ago or so was basically saying, you know, well nurses look as if they're badly paid, but actually they're really well paid compared to the private sector. And um, I saw that it was a good tweet. Um, online which said that Stephen Donnelly as Minister for Health is going to be a lot of people with their shirts rolled up to the elbow saying things like actualizing our way to interconnected healthcare futures is how we go label our future <laughs> while poor people die waiting to just get operations and that's exactly it like Stephen Donnelly it's all this like very polished sheen covering up what is like you know quite right-wing neoliberal ideology which is going to apply to the health service. Can anyone clarify for me, do you remember at the start of the pandemic, the way there was this big push from people to get the student nurses paid? And then there was like this announcement of they are going to get paid. But then I think they rolled back on that. Does anyone know what the final outcome of that was? Did student nurses get payment in the end? I think they did. It was just really, um, really low. long delay. Well, it was low, but it was also just a huge delay. Like even when the media started publicizing that they were getting paid, they still weren't and stuff like that. I think it was kind of, yeah. Yeah. But that just I, I think that's shows a really good sign though that like pressure from the public and you know respect for student nurses like did push the government to have to give them some payment. So like 
you know, this is one of those things that before they would have been like, oh, no, there's no way we could possibly have the funds to pay student nurses. And then all of a sudden everybody pushes for it and the funds are there. So it's a good example of what can be brought in if if there's public opinion behind it and we actually push for changes. Like, I mean, one of the, I think, linked to what Dave was saying earlier about like what's the political dynamic in the next all is a lot of focus is going to be around Sinn Féin as like, quote unquote, leader of the opposition, which they make a big deal of. We're going to be the best opposition ever. Um, but the, the problem is that already, and it's been actually clear in the last couple of days, Sinn Féin very much is going to, I mean, they're going to try and play both sides. On the one hand, they're going to try to, you know, base themselves on the reasons that people voted for them because of, the, you know, anti-austerity rhetoric, anti-establishment rhetoric, you know, quality spokespeople making those arguments and so on. But on the other hand, they're also presenting themselves as a government in waiting and not a radical government in waiting in reality, um, but a government, they want to portray themselves as a government that can also manage capitalism safely from the point of view of the establishment in in Ireland. And like a couple of significant examples in the last week was one that for the first time ever, they didn't vote against the Offences Against the State Act. Like this is a horrendous anti-civil liberties piece of legislation, which means non-jury uh, trials in the special criminal court. It means that the evidence of top guardy um, can just be taken basically as evidence. They say some. They say they believe someone's a member of the of the IRA or uh, another um, prohibited organization, and that's taken as as evidence. Like horrific amnesties against it, UN Human Rights Councils uh, against it, and the Shinners now didn't vote against it because of the pressure from the establishment. And then even in the last days, they've been saying. Oh well, we we talked. If if this government doesn't come together, we talk to Fianna Fáil, etc. And like it, it's just like the lessons of that are going to come really clear again in the next four or five years, however long this government lasts. Where the Green Party mistake of going into coalition that like it's just you cannot represent any sort of real alternative if you're going to go into coalition with the establishment parties, you're going to be managing capitalism with them, you're going to be implementing their cuts, you're not going to deliver the change that people need. And that's the real danger, is that the next election, Sinn Féin can again kind of disappoint um, people and people can be left a bit demoralised. Yeah, like even I just saw um, on Facebook and Twitter, a lot of Sinn Féin uh, people say, you know, this is an absolute betrayal to the working class and like the Green Party, you know, are going back on whatever they said in the election and it's like, you know, disgusting and everything. But like, you know, they were open to coalition themselves during the election. And like you say, they still are looking to talk to feet of all or whatever it is. And, um, you know, it would like you have to kind of take that into account as well. But I guess uh, interesting point of this whole um, program for government going through and it was quite contentious. You know, now it's gone through. Um, but there was a kind of moment where maybe it was looking like it might not have passed. And that was when the anti-coalition left-wing Greens were, um, you know, campaigning against it. And, like, they definitely had an uphill battle, but I think, you know, they did well in getting the word out about how dodgy the deal was and about how all of these kind of, you know, even, like, the positive aspects of it were not enough and 7% in 2026 is, you know, not near where we need to be. Um so what do people think? I know we've, in RISE, we've been kind of aiming a few, we had an open letter for these left-wing uh, anti-coalition Greens that maybe, you know, they can actually take a proper stance against this government now that it has gone through and they've lost the campaign to oppose the deal. So what do people think about that? Like, I think one, one thing that, you know, Nicole said at the start is that she's understandably disappointed um, and surprised, I think. So like... um. I did think it was going to go through. I remember we talked with Saoirse McHugh on mm -hmm. the podcast a while ago. Um, I'm not saying it, by the way. Ha ha. <laughs> I was right. You was wrong. I was disappointed to be right about it. But I, I, but think... I just want to bring up that I was right, though. <laughs> <laughs> just right just record. Yeah. <laughs> Paul was right. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so therefore, listen to me in the future. Typical politician behavior. <laughs> but, but I think I, I, I think a lot of people like... You can't underestimate, like, the massive campaign of pressure. Like, it was just intense. And, like, I knew that they, like... They literally had a celebrity in. I know. Mark Ruffalo did Exactly. They had the, not just any, they had the fucking Hulk on. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tell them they had to vote for the thing. They, like, opened up phone voting. 
They had their TDs ringing everybody who hadn't voted yet, being like, have you voted yet? You might vote yes. This is a great deal. And I'm sure in those like, you know, one-on-one phone calls, when people said, yeah, but there's no real commitments to deliver the 7% for the government. I'm sure, oh no, but really we have it. Or question, oh, what about the LNG? No, 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 we really have it. Even in Varadkar on the, was like in Fine Gael, like Facebook meetings or Zoom meetings or whatever saying, no, don't worry. This S challenge LNG isn't definitely gone. They were telling their people that it is. So I just like, the pressure was really immense on them and in the context of a party where just people are obviously like there's there are big differences ideologically within the green party there's a coherent left-wing eco-socialist anti-capitalist wing there was like a more pragmatic anti-coalition wing which you might have expected to be bigger because like really it's not pragmatic to go into government they're going to be smashed and um, but then the pressure of the party establishment and the media i mean bleeding finning what's his name Fintan O'Toole who'll be moaning about the stuff that the government does in the next five years no question you know he'll be giving out about it but he was like you have to go in you have to go in and so the pressure is just immense there's also the other side of it and that wasn't there that uh Cork was she a counsellor Lorna Lorna Bogue yeah she was literally threatened basically by the party for speaking out against it so I mean, well she was suspended that was she, oh, what she claims the article and... I read was said we would never suspend someone for that we just have to email to tell them they may be suspended one day like <laughs> yeah so it was totally denied by Eamon Ryan but um yeah that was the claim that she stated that she was suspended when she first brought up that like she was against the deal and she was talking to other people and like convincing them why it was not a great deal and stuff like that you know so because she was campaigning for something that you were supposed to be allowed to campaign for within your organization she was suspended basically yeah she, she was suspended at, at a slightly earlier point she was suspended for speaking out against going into the talks in the first place with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael which now in hindsight like also clear at the time but was a crucial point because once they go in that's the point once you're in the talks then the pressure comes in oh it'd be unreasonable it'll be a crisis do you know like the social democrats politically are not a million miles from the greens but actually there wasn't the media pressure on the social democrats because they didn't make the mistake purely for pragmatic reasons for most of them of going into the talks in the first place and then allowing the pressure to build on them and build on that you're the ones who have to deliver this right-wing government for some reason i think like far like i see like some morons on uh, facebook saying uh, oh look there was more opposition of Fianna Fáil to the deal than there was in uh, the Green Party you know saying in terms of the percentages uh, that voted against it but I think like there is a point here that like if the Green Party is tr- like about f- 450 people Green Party members voted against it uh, if like 100 of them or you know 150 of them were like eco-socialists are, are, are on the left of the Greens uh, and they decided like they were going to get organized and leave. That would be the equivalent size or bigger of most of the socialist groups that already exist. So that coming into play, I think, in terms of like building a broader party uh, or if they like we obviously published a letter saying, well, look, we need a broad left party. Like we pointed out to the example of the DSA in America, where you have like different caucuses, you could have an eco-socialist caucus um, that like that's the type of party we need and trying to get them to like leave in an organized way and become a factor on the the left and the building of, of a, a new party um and i think like that's what we should be looking at instead of being like ah, i told you so it was gonna happen you know um otherwise like you're losing people who are potentially good to the building of like a, a new left like who just become demoralized or even worse they just stay in the green party and they end up like so many members of like the labor party from the last 10 years who've just disappeared off the political scene and, and do nothing. Yeah. And that was the whole thing with the media as well. They were kind of saying, oh, you know, the Greens should stay and fight. If they walk away from this, they're like losing the opportunity to fight Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. Like, uh, we know when you're in coalition, you don't really get to fight. You more so just get to prop up whatever's going on and kind of maybe object to it, but not actually, um, you know, make any change while you're in it. But like you're saying, like, if these left-wing Greens stay in the coalition, they're just going to be focused on fighting and trying to like oppose all these policies coming in. And every time they don't get what they were promised or any time you know, it doesn't live up to any good aspects of the deal, they're going to be solely focused on that rather than building this like broader movement that we need to uh, stop climate change, to like radically change society um, so that we can you know, get to the emission targets we need to be at. And, um yeah, I feel like it will be a distraction 
for these radical left-wing greens um and now is the key time to be doing something about it you know i also imagine it's really demoralizing for you to be within your party who keeps constantly voting with a right-wing government you know like and this whole point of they have to stay and fight is if you can't fight them from the outside, is if you can't organize with the rest of the left and have any kind of say, like we haven't passed anything, you know, that the the government hasn't been looking for in the first place, like, like repeal with water charges, with any of these kind of things. It's all been fought from outside of the government. So that's a crazy statement to me. Like I saw there was a, a left wing councillor for the Greens in where I live in, in Tallaght Central. And he had a tweet saying, like, I, I can't believe that 73% or 74% of people in the Greens voted for a deal, which I thought wasn't even worth considering. Do you know what I mean? So, like, he, he knew it was a bad neoliberal deal. And then he shocked that in reality, this isn't his party. And, like, that is definitely a difficult conclusion for people to draw when they've been building a party, when they're committed to a party, um, when they have social relations with other people in the party or whatever. But like, I think it really can't be stressed enough, like all of the evidence of all of the past coalitions of Labour, of the Greens in the past, just screams, get out now. Like the longer you stay in, the more you're going to be tainted with everything that the government is doing. So if you're a left wing green person and you think, well, I'll stick with it and maybe they'll leave or whatever, nowhere else to go, but I'll be involved in the social movements. But, you know, like bluntly, when you turn up in six months time or a year's time to a protest against some crap that the government is doing with your green party flags. Like, you know, people are going to be like, people are going to come to you and say, why on earth are you here? You're part of the government. Like, and people, they need to decide, are, are they part of the left wing opposition to the government, which is going to be there? Or are they going to be kind of slight apologists, etc.? And like, I definitely understand it's a difficult thing to do, but like the sooner people get out in an organized way, the sooner they can actually have like a big positive impact. So the longer they stay and that they have to deal with all this crap, it's like negative for them, for these, you know, some really, really good activists. But if they came out and said, we're going to help build a broad left party, we're going to sit down with people for profit, we're going to sit down with Rise, we're going to sit down with any others on the principled anti-coalition, you know, anti-austerity, anti-oppression, anti-environmental destruction left, um, and try and work together to see if we can build a broad left party together, that would have a big, you know, positive impact and you'd be building a political force that has a reference to people power movements that looks to organize from below and that actually could, you know, help to establish the kind of real left opposition that we need for the next doll and on the streets. Because like what we're seeing now with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil um, putting their many, many differences aside, you know, this kind of like they have been like, obviously we know they're just like the exact same thing. Um, but for years like you're saying like almost a century they have been using this like you know we're against each other and um we're arch enemies and blah 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 and now they're coming together and it shows that like the right wing are willing to group together like they're willing to throw away whatever you know kind of uh divide they had and um come together and work in their own interests you know um and in a way you know the left need to learn from that in some ways you know we need to be able to come together and fight against them because if we are split we're all divided and we're all in separate groups and not fighting on uh one platform you know it's going to be very easy for Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil to uh, worm their way back into government to implement all these policies that are going to uh have a really detrimental effect on workers and stuff like that um so like yeah it really does seem like now is the time for a kind of broad left movement and possibly you know a broad workers government which could be you know the alternative if this government fails or um what do people think about the prospects of that happening like a broad left government workers government type thing yeah i think it's exciting and i feel like it also adds pressure to other groups and stuff on the left if it is a case that members of the green party who are willing to come and form in some kind of left-wing coalition to make these kind of movements it it opens up the talks for the left in general, I think, then to try and work together to to push back. Like, I mean, I'm at Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil with all of their many differences, <laughs> they still manage to work together. I think it will be interesting for everybody to realise how similar their interests 
are and how little disagreement they may have in pushing in privatization of public services and stuff like that while in government. Like I think um I think I think like our, our reference to the DSA in America as a like explaining how you can have a party of the left and then within that have different currents or trends or caucuses or networks or whatever you want to call them. I think is important. It, it helps people kind of imagine what we're talking about. We're not talking about people like giving up their separate existences. We're talking about coming together in a broad left party around certain basic principles and then having debate within that while also building the movements that we need and building a, a left party. A, a question that would be posed is like, what's, you know, a, any political party or any political grouping um, is um, a collection of people who have slightly different views within certain defined kind of barriers do you know you need to have like some delimiting things that like are well everyone who agrees with this is in and anybody who doesn't is is not in and i think in, in something important to argue for in terms of like what the character of that broad left party is in terms of being a principal left in ireland is the question of coalition and i think it's, it's going to come up again and again and again and it has done throughout the whole history of like the left and the left and labor party etc in ireland is that i think we have to argue that for the left it should be a principle not to go into coalition with the establishment parties um so it's right to make an argument for the within the greens against the program for government on the basis of looks what's actually in this deal right because it makes it concrete and real but it's actually the case that any program for government that you, you negotiate with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael um, and any government that exists with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael will not deliver on the kind of change that people need. Because, like, it's just the very basics that we live in a class society and the class interests of the majority, the many, the working class, is counterposed to the class interests of the few, the 1%, the ruling class. And Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael represent the ruling class. That doesn't mean all their votes come from the ruling class. You don't have to be like capitalists to vote for Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, but that's who they represent. And so they're never going to agree to take on the big polluters. They're never going to agree to take on the private hospital uh, industry. Um, they're never going to agree to have the kind of radical measures we need to avoid climate uh, catastrophe. And so we have to have a government that doesn't have those people and that has a program for socialist change that will actually deliver. And that's going to be a major question for Sinn Féin at the next election. So Sinn Féin at this election, um, after it, when they were talking about forming the government and making eyes towards uh, Fianna Fáil, they said, look, we'll be the left-led government. So the idea that Sinn Féin are the major party and then Fianna Fáil are the, the junior party. Um, and this is being put there, you know, and like I think at the next election, Sinn Féin may try to use, okay, there'll be, us, there'll be them, and they'll try and get another group that's, you know, on the left or, or seen on t to be on to the left of the spectrum to come in with them and then have Fianna Fáil there as, the, as a third junior party um, and give the impression that this is like the left-led government. But like the reality is, is that they need to rule out going in with Fianna Fáil because any radical change like that Paul was outlining that takes on big business or whatever, uh, Fianna Fáil are going to like block that, like uh, they'll veto that. Um, so like in effect, like this always happens that people on the like people on the left or people that are seen on the left are the ones that are forced to give up on their policies and to to roll back to be, go more to the center, and that's the only like effect that going into for, for the Shinners to go into Fianna Fáil and coalition it would have it would move them further to the right while they try to keep up the pretense of a left led government like you know. Can I just say on the on the on the just sorry on the Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael coming together, I saw this hilarious thing by Nora Owen, who is um, awful Fine Gael, awful former Fine Gael minister, yeah. but also uh, the granddaughter of Michael Collins. Oh, right. Okay, and she said that the you know why Michael Collins probably got shot at this like famous quote, or I'm not sure if it's just out of the film or if he actually <laughs> really said it um, that the treaty was a stepping stone, you know, uh, a stepping stone to Irish freedom. Yeah, and like she's saying that this Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael come together is another one of these stepping stones, like, you know, like, where the fuck is it going? Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Towards what? Towards entire privatisation of the entire country. <laughs> <laughs> Towards the end of the world or like... <laughs> <laughs> it points back to them coming back together, like... <laughs> Fucking hell. I was just going to say how disheartening it must be for people who are trying to give a left vote if you were to have 
you know, the Green Party selling out this time. And then if you were to have Sinn Féin go into coalition the next time when people are trying to give their vote to the left and it just won't work. So, yeah, it, it would be a bad situation. <laughs> but then the question is, so say for people on the left, for a socialist left, in this next period where you have Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael in power and then you have Sinn Féin being seen to be the main opposition party and people waiting for the government, like we've already seen it in the comments, like on social media towards us saying, you didn't try hard enough to form a government, like, you know, even though like, you know, like we were there proposing the idea of like a left-led minority government, like, you know, that was going to enforce or try and put through radical change on housing. So like in this next period, how should people on the left orientate to that? Like, so you're going to have this rise in expectation in loads of working class areas where people are like, you know, like they're going to look towards Sinn Féin. So like, how do we do it? Get the establishment out and put something else in and like all the caveats around Sinn Féin that we've just mentioned in terms of uh, managing capitalism. How should we organise ourselves and orientate ourselves in this period towards that? I think that's something that's going to be on the agenda. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the that was the central question for the left in the last election and different parts of the left answered the question in a different way. I think how we answered it in terms of being like, like going with the sentiment to kick out the establishment, you know, saying that's a positive thing, not pouring cold water on it, not saying, oh, well, you can't actually get rid of the establishment. There aren't actually enough candidates. Instead saying, no, we can. And this is how, how you need to do it. But like, and then as part of that, placing demands on Sinn Féin, we're saying, well, if, if Sinn Féin were serious about this, they should rule out coalition with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. They didn't do that because unfortunately that is their orientation. And then we had like massive billboards around the place saying the only party that won't put Fianna Fáil, kick them out, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the only party that won't put them back in. Um, so I think that kind of approach is kind of going to be necessary over the next period of time um, because there's no question that Sinn Féin will try to like um, hegemonize the the kind of broad opposition seen as the left. They'll try and squeeze out the radical left entirely. Um, but I think we can resist that by one being the ones that are like, we're the only ones who won't put Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael back in. We're the only ones who really stand for like, you know, a radical transformation, a left government that will take on the 1%, that'll open the door to fundamental socialist change. Um, but also I think we'll we'll show our difference by like organizing. Um, so like with the water charges, that was where the left really outflanked Sinn Féin and put huge pressure on Sinn Féin. Um, the same will happen again. And it's one thing I was thinking that in, in the doll, in a sense, like I, I do think Labour and Social Democrats have more difficulty differentiating themselves from Sinn Féin because certainly Labour is clearly to the right of Sinn Féin. Social Democrats are probably economically slightly to the right of Sinn Féin. They're like in the same ballpark. Whereas actually the radical left has a clear, distinct program in the doll. But above all, we have an orientation to people power movements, which none of the others do. You know, it was only the socialist left in the doll yesterday that referenced we're going to build movements, we're going to fight, etc. I think that'll be really important. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We don't like orientate ourselves 100% to electoral politics like it's important and we you know recognize that it is important and we need we have TDs and it's great that we do have representation in the doll um but a lot like you're saying of the kind of victories of the left of workers in the last few years have been when we aren't in power you know like we we've never been the ruling party we've never had that power to make all these changes yet we still defeated water charges. We still got marriage equality repeal, um, you know, and like it shows like it is possible. Uh, we don't have to be in coalition to make change. We just need to have the movement, the energy behind it, the numbers on the street. We just need to keep pressure up. Um, and yeah, it's like, I think it is one thing that kind of um, sets us aside from these other kind of left parties or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what we do is we use things like the political platform to connect with people like I can remember canvassing and you know a big part of our approach is well this is not just a you elect Paul Murphy he's gonna go in there and sort everything out for you like it's you connect with us now you see our movement come out and fight with us get involved in our politics you know be at protests comment on social media you know give the pushback like I can remember um when we were doing door knocking for the last election one of the guys uh, I posed the question to him, you know, he was a Sinn Féin through and through supporter. And I asked him, how do you feel about the thoughts of them going into coalition with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil? Because they haven't ruled it out. And this guy just looked me dead in the eye and he was like, good. They're the only ones that could sort them out. 
And it's kind of like, okay, so this attitude of like, I'll vote for you and you'll go and save me instead of what we're trying to create, which is we're going to empower you to to save yourself. You know, that kind of way. It's trying to break down that like barrier between ordinary people and government, you know, and like that idea that we elect these people um, to kind of just like separately work away from us and kind of make changes and we just have to deal with it, you know? Yeah, they know best. They'll direct us as to how the changes should be made. Like exactly, that. yeah, exactly. Whether Where it actually should be that we've elected them, we pay them, we fund everything that they're doing, so they should be doing it in our interest, not in the interest of whatever these big businesses, Apple, um, you know, and like, yeah, I think like that's the main point we need to get out to people that it's not separate from them. It's part of all of our lives. You know, we all have a, the whole I'm not really political kind of exactly thought, which is which you get on the doors a lot. And it kind of it just I don't know. I feel like it's it's because of the jargon that's used in things like the program for government. You know, people feel as though it's beyond them they can't they can't touch it you know that kind of way it you need to be well learned in order to understand these things but it's not it's it's your day-to-day life so if you have a problem in it then the government should be working to change things for you you know and I do think COVID has made people think a bit more um and people have had the time to kind of slow down and think about what this government's going to mean um I think as things get rougher as well you know people are going to be uh, more tuned in and kind of thinking about uh, what's going on, how they can change things. So, yeah, that is that's the hope for me as well. The especially you know seeing where your vote for the Green Party or Sinn Fein went, you know you saw that other people wanted to vote left for change as well. So it's easier to to tune in and see what they're doing wrong now. You know, and I think I mean there is a huge politicization taking place. You know, um, like. You see reflection of it. Obviously, like it's a partial picture, whatever, on social media, on Twitter, whatever. But like, there is there was an article this week. I can't remember who wrote it, but talking about how like the left had won the culture war. Um, I think it was in the Financial Times or something. But like, there's a, there's a truth in that, in the sense that like now youth culture is quite left, actually, like substantially more left wing than it was like when I was a young person eleven years ago. Um, and and that's like also feeds through into politics, and you see, like. That's the point, but Dave's point about like the revolutionary left not looking down their nose at people who are entering into politics and are, for example, around the Green Party, right? And are good people around the Green Party. Or are, are like, you see loads of like people with good left-wing like takes on things on social media who support Sinn Féin. Loads of them, you know? And like, oh, they support a government, a party that might go into coalition with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, the pro So we can't talk to them. We should. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, we want to have a connection with those people like you know you do, do you want to stay in your group of 150 people forever or do you want to actually try and win some of these people who are leftward moving who, who want to fight for many of the things we want to fight for and we think we can convince them that actually we need a revolution we actually need to smash up the capitalist system we need to replace it with a system based on public ownership democratic control actually like huge numbers of these people would agree with that they currently look to other parties but like do you try and relate to them in a way that where you can go through an experience with them, you can win them then to our politics, or do you just like kind of sneer at them? Like I just, it's silly stuff, you know? I also think though, there's things that us in the left movement have to learn from these people as well. Definitely. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? These are our grassroots people. They, you know, like this whole idea of, well, only when they completely agree with us will we be able to move forward. Like as if we have all the answers, you know, yeah. there's a, a movement to happen here. Like there's work together to be done. They should go and read the third and fourth Congresses of I know, the Congress right? International, which is about all this stuff. Go and buy the big books. But this is what I've been seeing like internationally as well. Like even like um, with like Black Lives Matter movement, a big thing I've been seeing online is um, people who... Because like a lot of, I think like a lot of white people are kind of taking notice now for the first time of like the problem of systemic racism. Um, and people, there's been like a bit of back and forth about people being like, oh, so you're just finding out now? Well, then it's not good enough, you know? And it's like, yes, it's not great that, you know, someone maybe hasn't read about racism up until now. But the fact that they are reading about it now is not like, you shouldn't say, oh, well, you haven't done it up until now. And like, I have seen a lot of people being like, oh, well, if you haven't read um, all of Marx and all of Lenin, all like you can't have any sort of conversation on this issue or whatever. And it's like, no, you got to meet people where they're at and say, brilliant that you've decided to 
um, become engaged now like this is where you can go with it or you know whatever also those people who are only getting engaged now have probably had other barriers in their way they've probably had a family who have quite right-wing ideas they probably they've obviously come from a schooling system who has pushed right-wing ideas on them so they've had things that have stopped them from seeing things correctly before so to just shut them down for trying to come to the right side now yeah you're, it's totally counterproductive like yeah and i mean that's you know the case for the greens now who like presumably for young greens who got involved in the last few years because of the you know climate catastrophe which is facing us wanting to do something about it becoming politicized around it some of them have been through like a bruising battle over the last couple of weeks where they learned something about their party and it wasn't a good thing you know it's that their party fundamentally isn't wasn't a radical party isn't a radical party and definitely won't be a vehicle for radical change regardless of what they thought in the past um but i just say to those people is like you know you, one outcome is you get demoralized and just pissed off and just stop being involved in politics and like that's the worst possible outcome another possible outcome is that well this is just as bad is that like you become some sort of cynical hack who like says the god the government's not that bad um but the third possibility is that actually you build on the activism you build on the things you've already learned you bring things like nicole was saying you know, from your struggle inside the Green Party, you have a lot to teach the rest of us as well. Um, and you bring that into the broader left and we we help to build something substantial together that can really um, change um, society. Definitely. And on that positive note, I think we're going to have to finish up for the week. Any great young Greens out there listening, <laughs> get in touch, I guess. <laughs> I keep thinking it sounds like these are saying like a rapper's name. Young Green. <laughs> <laughs> little Green. <or> yeah. <laughs> little Green. Possible names for you guys who branch out from the Green parties. Just yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> um Okay, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening at home. Um, we're hoping to have a more in-depth episode next week about um, what the alternative could be, uh, what a Green New Deal would look like with socialist policies. So do tune into that. Um, from me and the panel, we want to say a big thank you to everyone for listening. Make sure you are subscribed and keep telling friends and family about the podcast to help spread the word. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone. and. See you next week. Bye. Bye.